Today, we are talking to John Bach, the founder and CTO of Puget Systems, and we discuss crafting company culture, why they are a computer company with no computers on their homepage. And John gives some advice to young entrepreneurs looking to break through in the startup world. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. So I'm, I'm curious to, to know if your search for a Kevin, how that's been going. <laughs> My search for Kevin hasn't started. It's only been one week, hasn't it? <laughs> no, it was a, it was a busy week last week. I uh, had some uh, travel and then you, of course, after travel, you come back to just like a disaster of an inbox. Uh, so no, I haven't, haven't made a lot of progress since I talked to you last. Where were you headed? Were you out at conferences or client meetings? Yeah, I do a fair amount of uh, industry conferences. Uh, so this particular one was for AMD, uh, which is particularly exciting these days. I don't know if you follow the that technology sector much, but AMD has been not quite as competitive for almost a decade now and uh the last year they've they've answered back with some competitive offerings so it's it's exciting as ever to be at a an event like that what do they do are they doing ai sector where where are they really knocking it out of the park i mean right now they're they're making a comeback on just consumer processors um they had uh you know especially with the the type of workstations we make where it's um time we're, we're selling time we're, we're uh, the fastest uh, technology wins um and up until this point amg just wasn't able to offer an answer to intel's top offering they were always like a value backup you know if you want to pay half the price for less than half the speed you, you can do that uh but finally for the first time in over a decade they have a solution that's oh it's within just a couple percentage points of intel in many areas uh, i think one more generation they're going to be some serious competition to intel what do you think happened there you think they got better leadership or innovation oh man you know it's there yeah i think you know no matter the size of the company oftentimes breakthroughs come down to a small team of people and amd just has some some really high class people on their team right now so i think that's a piece of it the other piece has been as as transistors get smaller and smaller so you you go back you know five years ago we were at like 100 nanometer and now we have intel making chips at 14 nanometer and Intel's having a really hard time getting it down to 10 or getting it down to seven because just the laws of the limits of physics are starting to hit for how small they can make transistors. And so as Intel hits that limit, AMD, who's usually a few years behind them, is catching up as, as Intel hits that wall. Uh, so at this point, they're both making processors on a 14 nanometer transistor size. Um, so, you know, that brings them back in the game. And you know, the way that AMD puts it is, you know, we had to compete the AMD had to compete for so many years on an inferior transistor size. And so now that they're on an equal playing field, they feel like they have a, a pretty strong shot here. So, so do you use AMD processors in your computers that you build? We, we do some, yeah. I mean, boy, back when I started Puget Systems in 2000, AMD uh, was was like the majority of what we built because at that point that was the last time they had performance leadership. We dropped AMD for a number of years just because they were too far behind, uh, but actually picked them back up last year. Uh, we're not selling a lot of them, uh, but there's definitely some niche cases in like rendering and simulation work for engineering uh, where it makes sense again, and they are they do have a performance lead. Uh, so yeah, we're starting to sell them again, and it's exciting to to have choice again back in in our product. So, so it's a it's a configuration option when you're building the custom machine. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Oh, nice. We offer a, you know go the Intel route or go the AMD route. Team Blue or Team Red. <laughs> that is awesome. 
So one one of the most interesting things that from our from our last conversation was the fact that you have family involved with your business. Yeah. Right. That that's really interesting. I I'm curious for anyone else that's that's out there that is thinking of involving family. Like what what is your take on it? What has your experience been? Well, I mean, it's it's really easy to get into because uh, family you know well, you know what they can do, and and you trust them. <laughs> um, uh, so you know, it, it was a pretty natural thing to me. I I started the business, and it was just me. And you know, it's it's easy to turn to family for help. I think you know, just just keep open dialogue. Um, I think where we've gotten the most hot water over time has been when like things weren't said. So, you know, make sure to communicate, make sure to ask people how they're doing. We end up with like family rules. Uh, we had a, um, a delayed Easter uh, celebration yesterday because uh, my parents were actually traveling on Australia. So we had a whole bunch of family together at Easter. And and uh, I, I actually broke the rule this time. I, I brought up a work topic and uh, boy, everyone jumped all over me like, you can't talk about work. This is a family event. And uh, that's been a good rule. It's, it's kind of like the same rule as don't look at your phone at dinner. It's yeah. uh, don't, don't talk about business at a family event. So how quickly did you get family involved with your business? Was it like right away or did it come later? It was staggered over time. My brother was the first to come on and join. He was just in, in high school when I started Puget Systems and was looking for some work. And I needed somebody to help put together computers. At this point, Puget Systems was like just me. And so it was a lot to take take orders, do support calls, build the website, um, and build the computers. And so he came in and helped, helped build computers. Um, after that, as the business got larger, uh, my dad came in. His background is in finance and accounting. And, uh, you know, as your business grows, you have to do finance and accounting work. <laughs> so he was a great resource, uh, you know, just starting with like taxes and that type of thing. But then it turned into um, all the daily bookkeeping and, and uh, financial reporting uh, type of thing. And then a lot of other family in the mix as we went along, um, mostly as people graduated college and entered the workforce, we snatched them up before someone else could. Nice. It also gives like a, a great culture too, because people like a work family. So if you have family at your work, there you go. Yeah, it's funny. It's you know we we uh, you know we have a lot of internal feedback and um, you know kind of health checks uh, across our employees. And family is a really interesting word. It means very different thing to different people. And sometimes it literally means family. Yeah, well, that's the environment that like that's also one of the big things that's been associated with the hype of of calling your business a startup is the culture and then having more of mm -hmm. like a family like we're we're realizing that we're humans and we're you know designing an environment that allows us to be the most productive not just what we think it should be based off the past yeah like how, how is the culture at your company can you can you get up and and go for a walk like what's it like there <laughs> yeah yeah you can get up and go for a walk um, <laughs> you're not chained uh, to the desk <laughs> yeah no, I, I, I mean, the word family does come up a lot in our business when, when we kind of describe ourselves. But I think to most people, you know, it's not literal family. It's, it's the fact that we're at a size and that we, we all know each other, that, um, you know, we know each other's kids' names and we see each other outside work and um, kind of have that empathy for each other that if somebody calls in and says, you know, my daughter's sick and had to stay home from school, we're like, cool, you know, you stay, you stay home, take care of that. We will, uh, we'll take care of what needs to be done here. I think that's what we enjoy as a company. That's what, like, we're starting to bump a little bit of the limits on. We're at 42 employees now, which, mm -hmm. you know, that's not, that's not huge by any means, but it's at a size where we have to start being a little more deliberate about that. You know, when we were 10 people, we were just like a bunch of guys in a room and we knew everything about each other because we were like locked up in a room together all, all day. Yeah. And now, you know, now that we're a little bit bigger, um, you actually have to spend some deliberate time to like go down and talk to people in another department that you might not see very often. 
uh, we got to have a, a company bar. We we finally had like a somewhat sunny day <laughs> last week, and so we took the chance. We had a company barbecue, and those are always great because you get to sit down and spend. You know, even just if it's even just for an hour, you get to spend it with people you don't normally spend your day with. Yeah, so where where is the company at? Why don't you have many sunny days? Uh, we're in Seattle. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We had our summer now, so uh, now it's back to rain. Yeah, so you get one 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 sunny day is your summer. Yeah, well, at least so far. This uh, is summer we, we, day. <laughs> we t- we tend to get a summer in like July or August, but uh, in the springtime, you have to take it when you can get it. Now, did you move your company out there, or is that where it started? No, I was I was born and raised here in here in Seattle. Uh, nice. The company's the company's kind of moved around the region uh, in like a thirty foot or a thirty mile radius. But uh, uh, no, we've we've always been here. Right now, we're in Auburn, which is about uh, ten fifteen minutes south of the airport in Seattle. And and you said that you started this, you were doing everything from accounting to building the computers, every single thing involved. So what made you want to go and do this venture? Like what, what was the, what sparked the interest? Well, I mean, I started it during college. It was intended originally to be like, hey, let's just build a few computers to get myself so, so I can make rent <laughs> and, and get, <laughs> and get you know, pay tuition and all of that. Um, as I got into it though, I think I kind of quickly found my passion. Um, and one, one of the things that makes me tick is when I when I see something happening in an industry or or in any area that it can be done better. I have a a, a drive to to go and do that better, and that's what I saw with computers. Um, and boy, you know, it's it's even more true today than it was back back in 2000 when I started Puget Systems. That so many computer providers are just looking to like unload hardware on you and then run <laughs> and then like that's their whole idea of what the, the customer relationship is it's like a transaction a one transaction that then their next mission is like well how can i get you to buy the next thing as quickly as possible um so the way i approached the business was that you know th- this is a tool that gets a, a job done for you and it has to do that job and it's been fun over the you know the last um, 18 years now we've, we've been in business to really hone in on you know what was it you know, sometimes you, when you when you do something, when you start a new venture, you're not even quite sure. Um, not so much like where it's going, but like you haven't you're you haven't self realized all of your motivations until you get into it. And over the last 18 years, I think that's kind of been our story. And so here we are in 2018. And we have up on our wall um, our mission statement, which is computers should be a pleasure to purchase and own. They should get your job done and not be a hindrance. And I think that's the whole that's that's that encapsulates everything that we are. Our computers are here to get a job done, and if we don't understand your job, our computers can't get your job done. Uh, so we have to know the workflow of content creation, engineering, scientific computing. We have to understand those workflows just as much as we understand technology, so that we can actually make the right technology and provide the like the right customer experience to to back all that up. Yeah, it was incredibly smart. So one of the things that originally attracted me to your company and to reach out and speak with you was because when I landed on your homepage, right, you're a computer company, you're a custom computer company, but I don't see computers. Like, There's I no computers see, on the yeah, homepage. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I, see, I see use cases. Like, all right, if you're Photoshop content creation, you need a DAW, you need visual effects. If you're engineering, you need CAD modeling simulations, AI machine learning, scientific computing. And then like you got Twitch and gaming and streaming. I'm like, what you buy by the use? Like what a novel idea. Like, Best Buy, none of those sites, like none of the computer stores, they all, they, like you said, they, you shop by the box, like by the hardware. And this is like, I'm going to shop by the use. And then you educate what we need based on the use. And that's just, that's brilliant. 
Yeah, I mean, I think so much of the industry, um, well, you know, so there's a lot of other integrators our size in, in the industry, and a lot of them focus on gaming. And I think the reason for that is that in the gaming sector, a lot of the gaming guys are also tech enthusiasts that like they really enjoy. I mean, these are like the guys that build hot rods in their in their garage. Like they mm-hmm. want to know all those details of of the engine and the transmissions and all that. And I think a lot of the the gamers, the hardcore gamers, are like that. And so that's where you see those kind of the synergies happening. But beyond that, what we found is we as we ventured off into workstations in 2010. Uh, we found that actually that's not true for a lot of people that are getting a job done with a computer. Like they, their passion is you know, rendering and codecs and lighting and framing a shot and all these things. And like, that's where they geek out. They don't geek out with frequency and cores and gigahertz and gigabytes and, and those things. So like, why are we talking to people in our language? We want to, we want to learn their language and then go talk to them uh, in something that matters to them. Yeah, like they want to be able to say, look, my render's taking forever. How do we make it not take forever? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's like yeah. some frame rate lag. Why is that happening? Do I need what? And they go to search for graphics cards and it's just like you get overwhelmed exactly. with the amount of technical specs. And you're like, yeah. just show me the one that makes it not do this. Yeah. And you shouldn't <laughs> have to be a tech expert in order to do that. And like, who? and frankly, who cares? I mean, whatever the solution is to get you to that, that faster rendering time, that's our job. Um, so why are we putting it on you to have to speak our language? Right. Like in, and it's, I, I love it because like for me, like I'm super geek, right? But one thing I haven't gotten into ever is hardware. As far as like understanding all the different components, I've always been into the code part of it. So when it comes to things like, you know, how do I get my test to run faster? What's an optimal environment when I'm running, you know, a thousand tests, right? Or, or why, why is my computer slow when I have my entire development suite going? So for, for me, it's, it's like I'm a big geek and I spend all my time in the area of code and, and writing code and business logic, but I don't have the time to go over and live in that world and understand all the hardware stuff too. Yeah, no, I get it. And, and even if you, even if you wanted to, I mean, it, it take the industry moves so quickly, you know, it, it takes so much time to keep up on those things. So many things are changing and, and, you know, even if, even if you were to put in all that time, you, your sample size, like we have the opportunity as a system builder that we're, you know, we're building five, 6,000 boxes a year. That's, that's, uh, an experience that we can bring to it that an individual is just never going to get. Have you had any issues with getting NVIDIA graphics cards? I've got some friends over there. They were talking about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been a rough time. Yeah, I mean, with the with the crypto mining, um, a, a few things happened at the same time. The worst of it was in February where we had, we had crypto mining going on that was eating up all the supply of video cards. There is a, uh, a memory shortage uh, that was affecting... Um, a lot of things in industry, but but especially video cards, and then uh, Chinese New Year hit, which which makes a, a hit on the manufacturing cycle overseas, and so all those things converged. And I've never, I've eighteen years, I've never seen a shortage like that. Uh, we had to um, really do a lot of purchasing ahead of time to to ride out that storm, and thankfully we did. Uh, we still actually have a f- have a fair amount of video cards on our shelf from uh, when we saw that tsunami coming. We uh, we stocked up our our cellar. Yeah, I was talking to their PR person about it right right before their conference. Is we were going out to their um, big conference that they just had, but yeah, they were. She was telling me she's like, yeah, it's hilarious because we have we've put out like tons of 
of internal content to the company about not using company computers for mining and things like that. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm yes. like, oh man, that's, I didn't even think about that. And, and then I told her and they said, she said, oh, there's a shortage. And I'm like, you know what? If I was NVIDIA, right. And they're in a lot, they're in many more businesses than I knew. I had no idea. Hmm. They, they have these giant warehouses that like Amazon will license processing power from them. And they do stuff with all types of machine learning and car vehicle automation. And mm -hmm. they just have these big processing warehouses I didn't even know about. But I was thinking, I was like, you know, if I'm that company, I understand business, right? They're making them at a significantly lower cost than it is to take them to the market. Like they might just hold on to their supply and start booting up their own mining machines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, boy, there was, a, there was a time in there where that looked like that would be a, a smart move. I mean, it, who knows what, ha what happened? You know, the mining market goes up and down. It, it's been amazing, though. So we've, we've been selling, you know, we sell a fair amount of rendering and simulation machines, which are basically like mining machines. A lot of these things look like the same thing from a hardware standpoint. It's just, you know, a box with a bunch of GPUs inside. And uh, we're starting to see some of our rendering customers that they'll have a, a series of servers in the in the server room that during the day they're doing rendering and at night hey might as well mine yeah there was a an awesome blog post i saw one of the um video editors at like a major film studio like lucas films or, or something some huge film studio where they have insane video rendering equipments he, they were he was showing his mining rig he like was in after hours and and showed like how much that they could mine in, in an hour with with all of their enormous infrastructure and setup and i was just like dude i would not make a blog post about that mm -hmm. <laughs> you're gonna get someone very upset about that <laughs> so so did you you started it in college right yeah but what was your first interaction with technology how did you fall in love with technology oh yeah um well oh boy i mean i remember i remember getting our first family computer um, it was a 286 in whatever year that would have been. <laughs> I was probably in grade school. I mean, I, I got my first kind of hands-on, professional, I guess, hands-on time uh, through, um, it was another family company. It was my uncle's company. Here in Seattle was a company named Sudden Printing. And they had a, um, a set of, uh, I think it was about 15 stores around the region. And it was just around the time where the printing business was going from analog into digital. And when they did that, they needed to, for the first time, to outfit their entire fleet with computers. And um, I think maybe like a lot of IT people get their start. I was just the kid nearby who happened to know some things about computers. And so it got a little bit like shoved into the role. It's like, great, you can do it. Go, go do this. And boy, I mean, what an opportunity for me to move from like tinkering with my home computer to like now being in charge of uh, 15 stores, uh, professional computers. So it was absolutely like trial by fire. I was uh, learning as I go. And there was a lot of like working through the night, figuring things out. And it was, it was actually a lot of fun. So that's where I started with hardware. At the same time, of course, they're you know moving to be a digital printing company. Uh, they needed a website, uh, so they asked me, "Well, hey, you're you're doing you're handling our computers. Can you handle our website as well?" So I said, <laughs> like a lot of IT people, who even though I didn't know how to do it, I said yes, and then quickly got into, "Okay, let's learn HTML <laughs> and and uh, get that get that figured out." So we I launched their website and ended up tying things together where you could like. Um, you know, during Christmas time, the calendar, uh, custom calendars was a big thing for them. So I, I built the application to upload your photos, to you know, upload your photo to January and February and March, and then it would push it out to the store and print it out. So with those ingredients, like I, I worked there for um, 
probably four or five years doing that. And with those ingredients, then now I knew how to build a website and I knew how to build computers. That was all the foundation I needed to start Puget Systems as a company. That's awesome. Were there a lot of cat pictures back then? <laughs> the calendars? I don't think that was a thing yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, I see that you um, Intel Board of Advisors. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is that like? So, I mean, that's been actually really rewarding. Uh, so what Intel does, uh, they, uh, I think they recognize that their, their shirts and ties and uh, kind of as, as an, at an executive level, they're not so much in touch with what's going on, on at the street level, um, at the real world. And so they've built out these panel of companies. It's about 20 uh, companies. Uh, we get together twice a year in person. Uh, we have a phone call uh, sync up every month. And the whole mission is like what's going on at the street level and feeding that back into Intel executives. And it's actually been really rewarding. I've been amazed um, how how seriously Intel takes that mm-hmm. and how much that feedback matters and ends up um, steering things that happens within Intel. Um, so, you know, our job is basically to be a voice for the whole like system builder community. And, and that's been uh, that's been going pretty well. I've been doing that, I think, five years now, actually. Wow. Yeah, that's really smart for them. And then that's really great. You, you've you met some great people in that community. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a tremendous networking opportunity and, a, and a, an opportunity to, to meet people within the organization of Intel as well. Um, so that's definitely made us a stronger provider as a part of that experience. And, you know, we've taken that, what we've learned there and applied that to our own business as well. Uh, we've, we've come to understand that in order to be a proper system builder of post-production workstations, uh, we need post-production customers we can turn to and say like, hey, we're thinking about doing this. Is this a good idea or a bad idea? And uh, they do a great job. Our our customer panels uh, do a great job feeding us insights as well. Have they let you play with the drone swarms at all? No, not the, not the swarm. No, no, no. Well, they they have some good um, um, exhibits where you can see the drones, and I I don't know if you've seen these at, at trade shows. They're they're always like in a big net, uh, so they you can't get into too much trouble. Oh, they, they they'll have the the swarm at the at the show. Well, they'll have some drones. You know, it's there's only so much of a swarm you can build at a show like that. But they'll have they'll have like a hundred by hundred foot area that they've cordoned off with a net, and then they'll they'll fly around the drones inside. Oh, that's awesome! Are they all lit up with LEDs and stuff. Oh man, it's been it's been too long. I haven't I haven't seen the drones that you've seen like at the Olympics. Those are pretty cool, and I, I haven't seen crazy. those in person. No, I mean when I saw those at the Olympics and when I saw the video footage of them, I was just blown away. There's a couple small companies around that will actually like design custom drone shows to bring to different events, conferences, and stuff like that. It's it's really neat. Yeah, and it's such a good uh, showcase of what Intel is like how they're pivoting as a company. Because right now, some some of the things that are so big to them are IoT, Internet of Things, like smart mm-hmm. devices, and 5G for connectivity. And so the drone is kind of the intersect of both of those things. Like you're, you're using a 5G cell network to coordinate you know thousands of these like smart devices. The 5G, I think that's just going to change everything for us. It's looking pretty good. Yeah, and then also what, you got Elon Musk with his um, cluster what what a constellation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh i can't wait till we have internet at a rate where like it's just instant and then anywhere in the world yeah you know it seems crazy but you look back you know 10 years ago and what we have today is already crazy by those standards um so it's just uh progress continuing yeah i think that's crazy let's go back 100 and what yeah 10 years and we have electricity <laughs> 
It's like, wow, has the world changed? There's people alive today that didn't have AC growing up, right? Because there was an electricity, <laughs> yeah, readily available. Now that that that's great. So, what are you what are you really excited about right now with the growth of your company? Like, what's on the horizon for you? What do you what's getting you up out of bed every morning? Oh, well, so we're we're entering a new phase of our company. Um, so, you know, like I said, we 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 make workstations for content creators, engineers, and scientists. And um, back when we were doing kind of general purpose computers and like gaming PCs, it was like it was less deliberate, I think, uh, because we were just making the computers that like we would be excited about and then pushing them to people that get excited in the same way that we get excited. <clears throat> and so I think, you know, like I said, I think you see the fewer providers doing what we do because it isn't as natural to us. Like we have to speak somebody else's language, immerse into somebody else's culture. It's, 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 it's not, it's not as easy. And as we've grown as a company, um, we've kind of, I think, found the limits of like how far we can take this with like just trying harder or, you know, just devoting more time or putting in more hours and so we're we're pivoting as a company to be building more like processes and training processes and operating procedures and things we're building a structure around the way that we approach going to market with these with these workstations so i'm excited about that um you know we we go back two years like we absolutely had you have to have trainings in order to understand content creation and if you haven't done content creation you have to have trainings but we started with like well let's sit down and have somebody give us a lecture on content creation. But then we find that, okay, but now we've onboarded a new guy and he wasn't here when we did that. And so everyone is kind of at their own level. So we're building out an internal, boy, just like learning system um, for making sure that new people that come on or people that change roles here in the company, like we're always elevating people. We're always building up people and we're always building up process uh, so that we can kind of break through that, that ceiling and keep going to the next level um instead of reinventing the wheel all the time you know no that's really smart you're building an internal learning system to for content creations and different tasks at your company so you will make the educational material and then people can consume it as they yeah. come onto the business exactly exactly because when you're building for tech enthusiasts and you're hiring tech enthusiasts then there's just like the knowledge is already there there's no work to be done uh, but when you're bringing people outside of their initial comfort zone then you have to have all this in place in order to in order to really nail this as a company we have to have all this in place to 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 make sure we've covered all of our bases so you're gonna have like different courses like content creation and just different topics or yeah yeah so the way we're boy you know i've this is probably early for me to be talking about because we're still getting to nailing out the last details here but we're hoping to launch uh, in may uh I think the phrase we're going to use is like workflow experts. Um, so we're going to be training people up in being a workflow expert for simulation work or a workflow expert for machine learning. Um, and we're, we're using that phrase very deliberately because this isn't like we're teaching you about a product and then your, your job is to like go sell a product. It's like we're teaching you about a whole community and then your job is to like go exist in that community and help them. And we're going to help them with our product. Um, it's just we're, we're trying to really kind of keep that mission of our company that our, our computers are here as a tool to get a job done. And that job is the number one priority, not not the tool. That's so smart, man. I love that. See, that's the type of innovation that really grows companies. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah. smart. Yeah. Yay. Well, thanks. thanks. I, I want to so. celebrate. I want to <laughs> celebrate more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
No, so so you'll put the workflow in. It's going to teach them about the culture and like it'll teach the base about the culture. It'll teach about how to engage with the community. It'll teach about where the community hangs out. And it basically just grooms them to be a member of that community. So it's not like a fake thing. It's like they're legitimately becoming, immersing in themselves and becoming a part of that community. Yeah, yeah. And we have different levels of, of expectations. Like we expect everyone to be at a familiar level with everything we say, all the different like verticals we we service. So everyone has to know what rendering is and what um, training a data set is for machine learning and, and all of those. Like you need to be able to have a conversation and at least understand the vocabulary. And so that's something we're expecting of everyone. But then we're offering these expert level courses as, as a way for somebody to deep dive. And most people will probably only deep dive into one place, some maybe into two. Uh, but we also want to make sure that every department in our company, sales and service and, and production, has at least one expert in each of in each of those verticals, uh, so that we can provide that that customer experience to everyone. Who now? Who created the content for this? Um, so, I mean, right now the the primary content comes out of our labs department. Uh, so we have three people in labs, and what Puget Labs does. I mean, that's basically their whole job is to like go out into the the user groups and meet these people, go out into the trade shows at our booth and have those conversations, uh, talk with companies like Adobe. We, we work directly with Adobe and Autodesk and, and all those other companies. We we talk to their engineering teams and boy, it's, this is getting actually pretty exciting because now we're actually talking to their engineering teams getting access to software before it hits public so we can actually have a dialogue back and forth about you know maybe any bugs we found or inefficiencies we found um, but that's great for us because then we can design a product before a product uh, a software release even hits hits the public uh, so they do all that work all the benchmarking all the hardware recommendations um, and all of that work that they do, we actually publish on our website. So if you go to pugetsystems.com, go to the publications menu, uh, you'll see just, I mean, article after article after article of all the, the testing that they do. But their job now is being expanded into also providing training content for the rest of the company. So one of the one of the things, if we're going to launch a computer for Adobe Photoshop, let's say, we have to have all these articles publicly about you know hardware optimizations for Photoshop, but they have to build a training course internally for our employees then as well. Oh man, I'm you're designing repeatable business processes to scale your organization. I love to geek out over that stuff, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's only like that's only the first piece. I mean, cuz there's like there's only so far the book smarts can take you. Uh, so it's also important to us uh, that we we participate in user groups in like events like like NAB or SIGGRAPH um, where like we go where the people are. And, and so we we make sure we always send representatives from around the company to those events and their job is like just immerse yourself. Oh, it's so smart. Now, I actually, my friend um, Bruno, he his company got Aqua hired. That's a uh -huh. term that I guess we all kind of made up. I think it it's real. But uh, they got their whole team got Aqua hired by Adobe last week. Nice their video team. Nice. Yeah, Adobe has this project, and it's basically like machine learning on top of video. Okay. Okay. And and he he's like really cool guy. Forbes thirty under thirty. Really smart developer engineer and CTO and he and I think five other people started this company called Uru and they did this intelligent video processing where they created their own stuff from the ground up and what it could do it could do object replacement in real time so nice. if you're watching a video the billboard for you will say Nike but I'm watching that same video and the billboard for me says Adidas right nice but and then it also tells you about 
what the content is that's happened, the, the themes of the content that are playing before and after video ad spots. So you could say, I want to run this video ad, but I don't want it playing before a, you know, adult themed content or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't want this content to be before or after the video, because right now when you're pushing your video out and it's just injecting in between stuff, you have no idea as an advertiser, what's what people are seeing directly before and directly after. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So those are the, those are the things that his company did. And they were in New York City and um, I've been following them because, man, they're, you know, when you find smart people that are like legitimately like real, real intelligent innovators and doers like you, like, you know, when you found yourself, no, (laughs) no, but like when you, when you find smart people like that, like I I always, I check up on them regularly, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like what's going on in Bruno's life? I want to see. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. I do the same. You know, make sure to follow him on Twitter, first of all. Uh, yes. But yeah, there's there's people I've met, uh, you know, a decade ago that I don't think they even know that I'm really kind of still checking them out. <laughs> but it's 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 interesting to see them grow, and you learn a lot from them too. Yeah, it's definitely a big part of life being able to watch your peers and other people grow and learn and experience. It's like we're all little machine learning algorithms. Mm-hmm. Is that <laughs> is that uh, is that product that he he's developing? Is that based on machine learning? Yeah, so it because it learns the different objects in the video, it, it'll actually give you the context of a scene. So, like you know, people are in an argument in the scene oh, or okay. whatever Got it. it is. Got it. Yeah, yeah. I did cool. a co- yeah, but the way it was different is the current technology couldn't process it um, in real time. It was like post processing, but what I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was good enough to get Aqua hired by Adobe. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's cool to see, you know, machine learning started a few years ago as like, it was a purely academic endeavor. You know, let's see if we can actually make a machine. You know, the first one was like recognized cat videos. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and now, you know, we're at, we're at NAB in Vegas a, a few weeks ago, and we're seeing like a machine learning applied to live sports broadcasting. And it, it's just cool to see that like, this is a, actually, you know, machine learning is not a tool in and of itself it's like a building block that then tools are built on and you can see that like almost anywhere you know, machine learning can be applied to probably almost any project in some way these days yeah did, I, did you see um or i recently saw that i, I don't know how to say his name maybe sundar the ceo of google but he had a keynote that he gave an update and where google was going for 2018 and one of the things he showed was how advanced the machine learning has gotten for image recognition Mm -hmm. and that they're actually releasing this thing where like if you took a picture of your child swinging a baseball bat you know at home plate and there was a mesh fence in front of it it could actually just automatically remove the mesh fence wow and replace it because it had enough pictures of that scene in life to actually replace it yeah that blew my mind yeah yeah me too Oh, the future, man. I am so <laughs> pumped. And you know what? And then I was having another talk with this awesome guy near. He's called, oh, I have a great book recommendation for you too be, because of what you do. Um, his book is called Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products. Okay. And it basically he goes around and talks to the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the Snapchats. I mean, it's a it's one of the best sell. It's like the number one bestseller on Amazon for d- designing systems or, or one of the categories. But he talks about the different steps that are involved in creating products or technologies that ha- that are um, addictive, essentially, mm-hmm. like ones that get inside of your habits. How do they hack your habits and how do they hack the culture around it? And it's a quick read. It's a very smart book. But man, the insights I took away from that 
it's basically him studying all the different large companies that have the most users and figure out why the users keep coming back. Mm. And it's not the best technology, right? It's, uh -huh. it's not the best. It's not the most innovative, but they all have this common trend that they follow. And it's the systems of how they interact with their users, uh, how the technology interacts with them with giving them rewards and incentives and things like that. And it's, man, I'll tell you what, for, as a business owner, yeah. reading that book, it's just very valuable. That's, that's funny. That, that's actually super opportune. I'll have to check that out. My, yes. uh, the, the, the town I live in just got uh, a Chick-fil-A. Do you have a Chick-fil-A where you are? Oh yeah. Okay. So, so this was our first experience with it. And, and uh, so it goes in and there's like lines around the block and, you know, parking lot chaos and things going on. So we go in to check it out. Like it, it's okay. But, you know, it's it's fast food chicken. And, and so my wife and I were asking each other, like, so what makes, you know, what makes Chick-fil-A do this? Uh, you know, there, it, it's, it's more than the chicken, you know, because the chicken's not that good. It's not that good to you know, make people go around the block for. And so, you know, what what cultural phenomenon at some point there's like this tipping point where it becomes a a, a cultural phenomenon that that uh, drives that type of behavior. So that's this is opportune. I think I think it's probably kind of hooking into the same topics. Oh, yeah. And man, they're ever have you seen their? Well, see, I grew up like Chick-fil-A is native to where I am. OK, OK. So I think their headquarters is in Atlanta, which uh, is like a, it's you know, I'm, in, I'm down in the middle of Florida, but there there's Chick-fil-A's everywhere. Yeah, like where I am. No, this is our first. So this is yeah. this is all new here. They have this amazing advertising campaign where it's cows that are constantly holding signs that say eat more chicken. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And they do different <laughs> things with the cows and like everybody loves the cows. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's one of the big culture things is like you always are excited that's to funny. see what Save what the, the cow is doing. Yeah, there there's like the billboard and on our major highway like most recently that I can remember is, is they're like cows, but they're hanging off the billboard. So they're like 3D, like, you know, mm -hmm, manufactured mm -hmm. cows. And they're holding a paint bucket that says eat more chicken, like like as if they defaced the billboard. Right, right. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's just really creative. And then they're hyper involved with the community. So you'll notice that the um, they bring free Chick-fil-A to like all the community events. They'll always, you know, they're, they're very involved in philanthropy and they're just everywhere yeah yeah so you end up with people rooting for you for you as a company then that's what it is it's like i don't eat fast food anymore personally because uh -huh. my wife and i just decided to kind of not do that anymore about a year or two ago mm -hmm. but when we did like that was the here that's the classy fast food by the right way. right right that's yeah. the socially acceptable fast food that is the socially acceptable fast food yeah Chick got it Got it. Yeah. Awesome. Man, so so I've got I've got uh like two more questions here to wrap up. Okay. Yeah. Um so young entrepreneurs will look up to you, right? Because of what you've been able to do. You said earlier 40 people isn't a lot. I think it's tremendous. I think you've built an unbelievable business. But for the entrepreneurs who are just getting started and they have an idea and they're they're building and they're hacking away like you did early on in your career, what advice would you give them? Oh man. I mean it's it's hard to say it's hard not to be cliche because I've actually heard I've heard be some cliche, well yeah. okay so I mean the, the cliche I'll say is like follow your passion you know that's what a lot of people say but I've actually heard a lot of backlash to this lately too of like what do you mean follow your passion like you actually have to pay the bills don't don't send people down this road but I <clears throat> I think if you see a problem 
that needs to be solved. And that's something that like you could get out of the morning, get out of bed every morning and see yourself like attacking that problem. Then like, go do it. And, and you don't have to, I see, I see so many startups, like they're more concerned about designing their t-shirts and their hats than they are like writing their code. Um, <laughs> you know, like solve That's the hilarious. problem first. And, and, you know, if that means that you need to go get a job at Chick-fil-A for a while and to, to go write, you know, have that time to write your code, then, then do it. Um, I, I really appreciate the way that, that we've grown our company where I started, I started the company while I was still working at the printing company. Um, so I like, I had the time to take a breath and, you know, take one step after the other and solve one problem then move on and solve another problem. And um, yeah, I think I just, I just really appreciate that approach of like, I think if you try to, you know, you take on investors and you try to grow things overnight and you go really fast, I think you just have that much stronger a chance of the business needs outweighing the business mission. You know what I mean? Um, oh, I know you, exactly. You, you, I mean. you kind of lose, you lose touch with like, what, is, what was it I was trying to do in the first place? And so like, don't lose that. Like, make sure that's what you build your business around. And then make sure that you stay within the confines that you're able to get out of bed every morning. And like, that's your first thought. Bringing that value to the market and solving that problem. Yeah. Yeah. Not your investor report update. No. <laughs> No, I, I agree with you, though, with the follow your passion stuff. I think things tend to be a cliche because they're very true. And people say them over and over because they're true. But they also get misinterpreted. And then there's also people who, you know, they just they see the world through their current state and they're unhappy. Right. Like I, I was reading the other day, like 85 percent of people aren't working towards a specific goal. So it's like uh, you probably don't want to take advice from those people. <laughs> <laughs> but but for every person that says, you know, oh, don't tell people follow your passion because they've got bills to pay. Then you look at the person who has a blog about honey, like right. their favorite and they're and they're making six figures a year or a person who's got like, you That's know, true. a blog about the favorite places to eat. And all they do is go around and eat places for free. It's just like anything you want to do in life. You just apply a little creativity, a little persistence and make sure that you have some passion around it and you can find a way to make money. Well, and I think too, like may maybe it's two pieces of like follow up your passion, but have a plan. Cause I, I, I think a lot of people don't, you know, maybe they're not honest with themselves or maybe they don't take the time to even look, but you have to make sure that there is actually a need to be solved here. And um, you have to be careful to not get so far into the weeds that you can't really see reality anymore. So, you know, have those people that will hold you accountable, uh, whether it's your customers themselves or people that are kind of outside your, your normal circles that can look at you and tell you like, actually what you're doing right now is kind of crazy. Um, because I think, I think some people will like follow their passion, but it's not like grounded in any sort of reality of, of what, um, actual needs are out there. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, a business exists. The reason why we hand money you know, Puget Systems is because you're bringing me a value. You understand the way I think and my needs for whether it's like rendering or whatever it may be. And so because I don't have to think and you have the product, you solve the need and you have value, then I exchange money. And then that's how all business works. You bring value to the market, you know, right, John, you bring mm -hmm. the value mm -hmm. and then I give you money in exchange for your value. And then if enough people do that, you have a business. And then the market says, yes, we like what you're doing. It's, it's really like democratized. Like we're all raising our hand and saying, yep, we want that to exist. Yeah. Right? Vote, you, voting with our dollars. Mm -hmm. We are voting with our dollars and, and based on your growth, people, the market loves what you're doing, John. Oh, thanks. So if people want to find out more about you, how would they do that? 
our website is where everything is. Uh, so PugetSystems.com. Um, boy, there's a there's a video on our homepage that gives you the quick rundown of what we're all about. Uh, but like you said, it's very much about the use case. So if you need to do visual effects work for a for a short film you're doing, um, you just go right into our content creation, post-production visual effects section and immerse yourself. Uh, you could go straight to, you know, the products that we recommend. Um, or if you want to get into the weeds, boy, we have article after article you could read uh, to kind of serve as a proof point for the work that we do. I love it, man. I love what you're doing. Anything we can do here to support you, you just let me know. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening to the Modern CTO Podcast. Share this. Get the word out. Thank you guys so much. I couldn't do it without you. I appreciate it. You guys are the absolute best.